the reality is you can't be mission driven and you can't have any impact on the world through your platform if it doesn't perform. Welcome back. I'm your host, Anu Dougal, and this is The 2%, a podcast highlighting women who are breaking barriers and building the businesses of the future. I'm so excited to share today's episode with you, featuring my friend Whitney Wolf Hurd, founder and CEO of Bumble. Bumble is the fastest growing dating app in the United States with over 100 million registered users. Since Bumble's 2014 launch, Whitney has expanded the brand to include business networking, friend finding, and even launched an early stage investment fund, all with a mission to end misogyny around the world. In today's episode, Whitney and I discuss the fascinating journey that led her to found Bumble at the age of 24, the frustrating world that is online dating, her perspective on taking strong stances as a brand, and her vision for the future. I can't wait to share this conversation with such an inspirational leader. So let's dive right in. Okay. Um, Whitney, so excited to have you on here. Um, welcome to the 2%. Where are we finding you today? How's your day going? Day is going good. Excited to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So um, I know it's been a while since we chatted. Congrats on the little one. So cute. Um, how has motherhood been? Motherhood is unbelievable uh, in all the ways you can imagine. Um, it's definitely a different level of, of responsibility. And I thought I was hyper responsible being a business founder and CEO, but you know, at least you can kind of call it quits on your emails at a certain hour of the day. <laughs> the responsibility is truly 24 seven and it's beautiful and it's amazing and it's scary and terrifying and glorious and ugly and gorgeous and all the words mixed <laughs> Awesome. So let's get right into it. Um, you know, we obviously know Bumble very well, um, and it's been so fun working together over the past couple years. Um, but for those of you in the audience who may not know, um, which I'd be surprised if, if there are any, um, Bumble is now fastest growing dating app in the US, over 100 million registered users. Um, for those of the audience members who may not be familiar with Bumble, Whitney, how would you describe uh, the company? So Bumble really um, is a relationship platform that encourages healthy, accountable, and empowering um, connections. And the way we do that is that on Bumble, women always make the first move. So if you think about uh, relationship dynamics and gender dynamics and the way that courting has been essentially assigned to women over centuries. It's really been um, disadvantageous to us in the sense that, uh, you know, the rest of your life is really built off of the bedrock of your relationships. And so you can imagine if you're disempowered in your romantic relationship, then all of a sudden that has this really devastating ripple effect into the rest of your life. How can you be empowered or championed as a businesswoman, or how can you feel confident um, to take control over different facets of your life if sure. you're an equal in your love life? And you know that was really where we started. We really wanted to start to solve this heteronormative issue. And of course, you know we are very inclusive to all orientations and 
this notion of kind of reinventing what woman means, right? Like a woman yeah. is not just one um, one size or shape fits all. And we, we um, are really reinventing ourselves now to take this uh, inclusive mindset of really making the first move as this ethos and mantra. But from a business perspective, we are a platform that connects you to people. Um, and if you are a woman seeking a man, then you always make the first move. Um, and so we're really just trying to recalibrate these ar ar you know, archaic and antiquated uh, gender norms. Fantastic. Um, I know you've had a really interesting journey, um, you know, in terms of getting to starting Bumble. Um, would love for you to talk a little bit about, a little more, excuse me, about what inspired um, the idea behind behind Bumble. Yeah, of course. So, you know, it wasn't a super clear cut path. I had been uh, a co-founder at Tinder <clears throat> and I was there for two years. And upon leaving, I had this perfect storm of struggle. Um, I was in the public eye in a way that was quite um, devastating to my psyche and to my self-esteem. I was being called all sorts of names and accused yeah. of, sorts of things and by complete strangers on the internet. And uh, in turn, a lot of strangers were attacking me um, and sending me terrible, terrible, um, hateful messages. And it really started to deplete my self-worth. And so I had this moment where I thought, you know, I'm either going to hide under a rock for the rest of my life and disappear, um, or I can kind of change my attitude and recognize the opportunity I have right now to take this pain, take this situation that I know I'm not the only one, um, and recognize the opportunity I have to do something about it. And so what I, what I really started to reflect upon was the fact that here I was a 24 year old woman with resources and a roof over my head and, you know, warm meals and loved ones. What about the teenage girls who don't have those resources and don't have a safe space to be and are being abused on the internet, um, are being bullied on the internet? This is incredibly consequential to one's well-being and you know, there are lives taken due to this. And so it really gave me this um, passion to try to one, identify what the issue was, and then two, go out and solve it. And what I perceived as the issue was that due to the nature of the internet, anonymity and hiding behind a profile screen, the the option to be ugly and to be nasty and to be torturous is so much easier than in real life. You know, it's, it's, it's not common or, you know, it, it happens, but it's not as common, you know, people, people kind of control themselves in the real world to some degree. So I, I always use this example of driving around with, with a license plate, yeah. you're driving with a license plate on your car and windows that are not tinted, you know, there's probably a propensity to honk and to behave a little yeah. more on the streets but once you have clear windows and license plates you know you think twice before yeah. you do things and so what is the digital equivalent so that was really the beginning of my journey was how do I engineer the license plate or the accountability factor into social media and so what's fascinating is I never really woke up and said oh I'm going to go start a dating app um, I had just left a dating app and that was candidly the last thing I wanted to do yeah. um, but what was interesting was when I started looking at the foundational construct of the digital sphere and started thinking about the actual 
core dynamics of what was wrong with digital connection, um, I landed at this concept of a kind social network, basically a platform where both women and girls could speak to each other with kindness and collaboration and compliments. And I had this theory that if hate is contagious, well, so can kindness. Sure. Um, and that was really the foundation. And then, you know, it's a long story short, but, um, or not so short in this case, but uh, I was basically challenged to rethink that from uh, the man who would become my business partner who ran uh, the the largest dating app in Europe and, and in the rest of the world. And so when he challenged me to take the construct that I was passionate about, but do it in the in the form of dating, um, I really started thinking about the same broken dynamics in dating. And it really boiled down to one thing. Why was I never allowed to text the boy first? Why, why no. did my friends sit around waiting? Um, and so that was really the beginning of, you know, this aha moment I had where I said women should make the first move. Yeah. And always. And so that was really the beginning of the journey. Amazing. So, you know, to your point, I think the online dating app, apps and, and just dating world can be frustrating, particularly for women. When you were thinking about building a product that incorporated some of these values, kindness, equality, respect, um, how do you productize that? How did you think about incorporating that into a digital experience? Yeah, great question. And, you know, that's very important. So I would say that it really anchored around two things. One, how we spoke to our customer and how we spoke to our community in the app. So I'll get to that in a second. And then two was actual functions and features. So when I decided I want women to make the first move on this dating product with a bigger idea and hope for it to be foundational for later on friendship or solving women's struggles, you know, ultimately my original goal was to start a woman's social network, right? Like that was, I have a deck from 14 called Mercy about this, you know, concept of a kind woman social network. And so yeah. I had that dream and that hope kind of embedded in the beginning um, wireframing of this dating app. And so the way I, the way I really set it up was um, I uh, worked with great, great designers and we started thinking through the dynamics of, okay, this, this matching mechanism. So where two people would match, the construct was basically that the ball was in the woman's court, right? And so um, it, it made it feel like it was Bumble's fault versus putting the pressure on the woman. Yeah. It was really like we were going to, we were taking the pressure and we were setting the ground rules. And so if the ground rules at a coffee shop are that, you know, um, women have to go first, well, then that's the coffee shop's ground rules. And so right. we were to take that responsibility. And so um, then we engineered certain features. I, I wanted it to feel um, almost like if you go back to the, you know, Disney storylines, which need to be rewritten at this point, very archaic. But if you go back to the construct of Cinderella, right, she has until midnight before her carriage turns into a pumpkin. Well, to give women a little extra encouragement, yeah. we engineered a feature <clears throat> that women needed to send the first message within 24 hours or the match would expire. Yeah. So that's one example. And then you start building in these guardrails that then you can later unlock through functions and features. And then the second point um, to, to the beginning of this question is really how we communicated with the community. And so the the words we chose to use for push notifications or for the, the wireframes, yeah. they were rooted in kindness and compliments and 
um, you know, it, 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 it was all about taking care of the audience. And we had, you know, such a passionate early team and so many of these incredible people really had a big uh, impact and imprint on this product. But the, the nice thing was we were all trying to speak to the audience with, with the same tone. And we totally put that through. And what's been fascinating to me is, you know, this was before apps like Calm or Headspace. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so fascinating now to watch tech take a compassionate approach when they speak yeah. to the audience. But what's, you know, what I'm proud of our team for is our team really truly was ahead of the curve there. Yeah. And we established a language that was so contrary to any technology, um, consumer facing technology. Beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, most of them had been built by men. So, you know, taking that approach is also, um, you know, I think a lot of it comes from personal experience. And if you haven't had to deal with that, then you won't build for it. That's exactly right. Yeah. So if you if you can't recognize what it feels like to be harassed on the internet or to be abused or to be told you're worthless, yeah. um, stranger, you don't know how to counterbalance that and build against it. So you know, I think, like I said, um, you know, you have to you really have to, you know, it's, it's so funny. So many people say like, follow your passion and all these college students graduate and they're told to like chase their passion. But, you know, I was never passionate about building a dating app. Right. I was passionate about fixing something that broke my heart. And so when you have a lived experience that is hurtful or heartbreaking, yeah. Um, if you can channel that into solution oriented kind of fact finding, then you can end up with a product like Bumble. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And similar to Female Founders Fund, right? Mm -hmm. um, you have a shitty experience fundraising and you try to solve for that. So um, definitely, definitely hear you on that. Um, in terms of building a dating app, so obviously, you know, in the early days, it's all about supply and demand, right? So you have to have, you know, the guys, you have to have the girls um, and it's hard in those early days, right? Um, particularly, I think for dating apps and you guys did a phenomenal job. Um, any, you know, going back, I know it's it's been a while now, but anything that comes to mind or that you remember that was um, particularly successful in those early days? Yeah, you know, I think that um, it's fascinating. People always think, you know, just go get a bunch of users, yeah. go a scale. And I was always very allergic to that construct and to that concept because if you scale faster than your brand or you don't plant the seeds first, you will never have a prosperous garden. You cannot just, you know, snap your fingers and have a billion flowers in your backyard and hope for them to be sustainable or hope for them to come back next season. It's not how nature works. Yeah. And it's very similar when you're building an audience on a, on a social product, you know, you have to nurture. And so I've always said to my team, starting in the very early days, if you have an option to get a thousand people who have nothing in common with each other and will likely not find any common ground or have no intention of connecting with each other, but then you have an audience of less than a hundred who do have higher chances of wanting something to do with one another, forego the thousand, take yeah. the less. And a lot of people had a hard time quantifying or understanding that. Well, why would you not want a thousand users? Like we can go get a thousand users. No, that's not how you plant a garden. You seed, you have to plant the right seeds in the right environment. They have to grow with the right sunlight. Yeah. It 
it has to be so authentic and so natural. And so, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And no, we weren't growing, <clears throat> you know, millions of users overnight in the early days. But you know what? Those first 300 users a day that then turned into 350, then 400, 450, 500, 600, 1,000, 1,500, 2,500, 5,000, 10,000, you know, that's how you incrementally step up into yeah. a very sophisticated and very sustainable user base. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, I think very much to your point, it's, you know, those early users also define who you are. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think being intentional about it um, was, I mean, very, very smart, especially in those early days. Yeah. So, for example, we did no influencer marketing. Oh, wow. in the days. I was very adamant that we take a very holistic approach. And so, you know, instead of hitting the Instagram bloggers or influencers, we stayed away from that until we had a really true um, kind of ground up audience. And yeah. then we could maximize that and expose um your product to more people but truly it was very 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 slow and steady slow and steady planted um and nurtured and watered and now i you know i like to believe that bumble has really blossomed into a very prosperous garden and and i think it's because we had patience and we were very meticulous with the way we did this yeah no definitely definitely um, so if we're, you know, obviously fast forwarding to today, there's, there's no doubt that COVID has, has changed the game, particularly in dating. Um, and I think you guys obviously had an early advantage introducing video, um, and then moving fast to launch a virtual dating badge. Um, brilliant. How, how would you say consumer insights have driven your product roadmap over time? Yeah. I mean, listen, consumer insights drive the roadmap always. Um, now when you're driving a car, you know, hundred miles on the freeway, it's really hard to change the tire. And so you have to be measured, right? Like instead of just building on top of things that need to be optimized, you have to kind of go in order, but we were very fortunate. And actually I have to credit my former business partner. He was very, very gung ho on video dating a year before the pandemic. And candidly, yeah. I was kind of like, uh, there's higher priorities here, but he was certainly right. And, you know, the fact that we built this, um, you know, a year before there was really need for it, it just goes to show that digital is the future, right? And we are not always going to have access to people, places, or things um, at, in the time frame we want or when and where we want them. And, and the fact of the matter is the internet really allows you to disobey boundaries in yeah. a healthy way. And I don't mean disobey human boundaries. I mean physical boundaries, like you can jump through walls and buildings and states and cities and, uh, and, you know, you can jump across oceans with tech. Um, and I think that just really validates what we're doing. Um, yeah. that we, what I have found to be pretty profound through all of this is no matter what you do, um, in terms of destruction, you can introduce global pandemics. You can literally tell people they're not allowed to see each other. But that does not erase the need, demand, and critical um, human desire for connection, love, um, yeah. intimacy, and relationships. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and to that point, I think you know what's been what's been incredible is that you know you Bumble obviously started as a dating app, and you've transitioned into kind of a true social network. So you know, you can connect through BFF, through Bumble Biz. And, and I think that that is a really unique aspect of Bumble, particularly compared to, you know, kind of all the other dating apps out there. How's your vision kind of changed over time? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I will say the original vision was much more, you know, girls and women's social network kind of bringing women together on this spectrum of, of things we go through and connecting on those topics and being able to solve for those topics. So, you know, early on, it started as a safe place for girls to find um, support, right? Yeah. And, and that was the original idea. And then obviously evolved into dating um, with the formation of Bumble and then went to Bumble BFF and then Bumble Biz. And I think the long-term view is that our LTV opportunity and our TAM is so much bigger than just a digital connection platform as well. You know, there are rabbit holes off of all those verticals I just told you about. So when yeah. you think about friendship, when you think about dating, I mean, there are adjacencies that we have permission to play in. Um, and so I think the big picture for Bumble is really jumping off the axis that we're on right now and making sure that, of course, we protect and promote that but then really start growing our brand. And there's a huge white space with women's brands. You know, when you sure. think about, we're talking, uh, there's billions of women's brands, thank God. But when you think about the big kind of archaic women's brand, they're all really, they're not what they used to be, the Maybellines and the Revlon yeah. world or the, you know, what, what whatever these brands were that thought they were women's brands. You know, they were never actually speaking to women or listening to women. They were just you know, speaking to, you know, their, their bottom line. And yeah. I think there's an opportunity here for Bumble to really truly become um, <clears throat> a global woman's brand that invites men into the equation. I think that's the most important piece is unity, right? This yeah. is the girls club. Um, this is not just a like women only place. This is something that it focuses on giving women the upper hand and empowering them and inspiring them and making them both accountable, but also respected. And then of course, inviting men into the equation as well. And I think that that is the future of feminism, right? It's a quality yeah. for all of us. It's not, you know, well, you hurt me, now I hate you. Yeah. It's, hey, give us an upper hand, let us get to the same starting ground, and then let's all be compassionate and kind to each other and have healthy relationships at large. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that, that's awesome. Um, you know, as a brand, going back to your point, um, I think Bumble has been, um, has been, I think, really forward thinking in terms of how you view, um, you know, whether it's, you know, not showing images of guns on the app or lobbying against, you know, nude photos and harassment online. And, you know, I think it's clear that you see Bumble as, as bigger than just a company, but a true driver and an agent for change. Um, and I know that even, even for our founders, you know, they, they kind of struggle sometimes between taking a point of view, whether it's on political stances or, or some of the topics, you know, that, that I just mentioned, what, um, what is your point of view on this? And do you have any advice, um, for other founders that, that are, you know, kind of exploring this or, or thinking about it? Yeah. So, you know, what I will say is I think the early years of Bumble, we were really, <sighs> oriented as a mission-driven business. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to move towards now is a business that drives mission and impact because the reality is you can't be mission-driven and you can't have any impact on the world through your platform if it doesn't perform. Yeah. And so it's cannibalistic to say, um, let's put business on the back burner and just focus on mission because the yeah. reality have any impact with that mission because yeah. we want 
scale, we won't have any reach. And so I think, you know, getting our priorities refocused now as a business that then has the ability to drive impact through the mission that we're focused on as a business. And so, you know, there are, there's a never ending stream of issues that need to be solved in this world. Right. And trust me, I wish, I wish we could all solve all of them, right. Ranging from things that we're all passionate about, call it climate change and gender equality and racial equality. And, you know, all, um, all of the things, you know, health and wellness, you know, ending cancer and ending, you know, all sorts of, there's no shortage of issues in this world. And what I think is important to keep in mind is what is your Northern star, right? And those are the issues you should focus on. And so it's very tempting as a business leader who cares to want to solve climate change or want to solve this or want to solve that and want to advocate for this, 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 this. It's very easy and tempting to want to go down that path. But what I found is it's distracting and you can't have impact without focus. And so you have to be focused. And so our focus is really on gender equality, right? And equality for all genders. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> that's very important to stay ferociously married and loyal to your focus because that's how you can actually have impact. And so you might ask us, well, then, you know, what's up with the guns or what's up with this or what's up with that? Well, it has to do with our focus. When you think about having guns on a dating profile, if you think about the number of people that are subjected to domestic abuse and violence in their relationships, it's astronomical and it's an epidemic. And so that is very pertinent and very re- uh, relevant to our focus. Therefore, we take a stance and we do something about it. Women's issues that have to do with their relationships or their relationships with them with their health. So being an activist for <clears throat> you know protecting women's rights that i feel is so intertwined with our yeah. um Northern star that we should never abandon that now is it bumble's position to go take you know an active role in in different causes well that's subjective right but the yeah. way of quantify that and the way i'm trying to make decisions as the business leader is is this pushing our focus and is this pushing our mission to really help solve around our northern star and so that's where we're able to kind of funnel things and decide where we're going to get involved and where we're not because the reality is we cannot be everything to everyone that's not our job and i'm not going to allow those expectations to thrive and so i think that's the best way to approach it for me now everybody has to do it their own way yeah that's my personal approach yeah no i think that that definitely makes sense business first that drives your mission right because if you care about your mission the most which is what i care about the most you have to be able to have, you know, if, if you were running a, a nonprofit, uh, most of the time the individuals running the nonprofit are spending their time fundraising, yeah. right? Trying to bring business in so that they can push their agenda forward in the world. And so, you know, it's it's just not that much different. And what's yeah. here is if we make our business as strong as possible, we don't have to spend the time on figuring out where to get the funds to do yeah. things. So I think it's it's a little bit of a balancing act, but it's definitely an interesting discussion. Yeah, no, I totally makes sense. In terms of kind of Bumble's long term vision, you know, I know last year Blackstone and Bumble 
came to an exciting agreement and, and partnership, which I think is incredible, just as a symbol of, of what can be achieved, particularly I know for our female founders, female founders broadly, um, really, really inspiring. So as you think about where Bumble is today, and, and we touched on this earlier, and where you see it going, you know, I think particularly with, with funding, there's endless opportunities. So what, what is that long-term vision sitting at where we are today? Yeah, well, we are so incredibly lucky to be uh, in partnership with Blackstone. I think the absolute world of them as a firm and the individuals over there are some of the most thoughtful, intelligent, um, incredibly uh, passionate people I've ever worked with. And so for me, it's been an absolute honor and, and a highlight of my career thus far. And so I think, you know, um, the world is our oyster at Bumble and Blackstone together, and we're very excited about the future. But I think we 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 kind of covered a bit of where we're going. Yeah. So it's really building this beyond um, where we are today, but of course, staying focused on core business, optimizing the core functions, you know, making sure that our dating category is offering women what they're looking for and really segmenting women in a in a more granular way, thinking for them as yeah. individuals not just as a blanketed um, group. And so I think that's where you're going to see us go next. And then really connecting with um, the user or, you know, we're trying to get away from this word user. I think it's it's not productive, but the, the customer or the community, yeah. um, individual of the community, connecting with them in deeper ways. Um, so, you know, before and after they join our product, how else can we be a part of your um your journey towards healthy connections and healthy relationships. Amazing. Amazing. I think one of the benefits or side effects of running your own business and, and obviously being successful is, is you do have the opportunity also to think about your own employee experience. And, you know, I think the workplace has been largely defined um, by older white men to date. And you're seeing companies, particularly younger startups, rethink what that looks like. And I know that that's something at Bumble, you've had the opportunity to kind of think about, particularly with, um, I believe, you know, a lot of your your employees are, are female. What are your thoughts around creating a better and more healthy workplace in today's day and age? Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. I do think that <clears throat> it's complex because we're at a place now that we are at outside of this like early startup phase, like we are no longer a startup, right? Yeah. So if you look at the way we operated when we were much smaller, it was very anchored around how can we solve some of the problems that exist in other tech companies? How can we be more mother-friendly, more woman-friendly, more conducive to the realities of the modern day woman and, and her problems and her struggles and make sure that, you know, I would give permission to people if you want to go do school pickup, like, we need people to feel healthy and happy outside of this office. And in order to do that, you have to be healthy and happy inside this office. And so that was a big, big focus in the early days. And I think now the balancing act is when you have almost a thousand individuals across your organization, how can you possibly make sure every single individual is happy at all times? It's, it is not conducive and yeah. you will go crazy trying to do it. So I think making sure the fundamentals are in place, right? So that we treat people with respect and dignity and 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 do the right thing. But the right thing is not always going to be someone's favorite thing, right? Yeah. As you scale, you have to make tough decisions and 
people people come and they go and they serve this incredible role um, for the time that they're with us. And and you know what? That's okay. It's a business. Like this is not something that you have to be married to for eternity. Right. Yeah. As long as you can go to sleep at night saying we did the right thing. I think that the right thing is sometimes the hard thing and yeah. making sure people feel safe um, and, and included, yeah. but, um, not trying to um, please every single individual because ultimately at the end of that, you end up pleasing no one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great advice. In your experience building Bumble, I'm sure you have come across a ton of really interesting personalities and, and kind of stories that have come out of Bumble and lots of happy marriages. Is there anything that comes to mind that, that, you know, you remember as, um, a really inspiring kind of either match through Bumble or work experience that, you know, you feel personally fulfilled by? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think the benefit of working at our business and being a part of our team is that you are a very, very, very small part of a lot of people's happiness. And that to me is really, you know, motivating to get out of bed every day and, and to continue doing the work because even if we have a tough day or even if things aren't going, you know, the way we want internally day to day, you know, ups and downs at any business, you know, the, the, the thing that gives you a lot of kind of joy is knowing that there are a lot of people out there that are um, finding true happiness and joy through the healthy connections and the healthy relationships they're building. And so, you know, I, I there's thousands of stories that I know firsthand yeah. that I share with you that have been incredibly heartwarming. But, you know, when I meet a bumble baby or when yeah. I hear about somebody who tragically lost their first spouse yeah. and found love for a second time on Bumble, I mean, these <clears throat> happy endings to um, very tragic beginnings yeah. are, are very heartwarming. You know, a nurse that um, took care of me in labor and delivery, um, I had a postpartum medical issue and ended up back in the hospital for a couple days and was very, very ill. Um, and the nurse that took care of me, it was really kind of spooky, amazing. Um, she had actually found the love of her life on Bumble and he had the same name as my son. Oh my God. That was just one of those kind of meant to be things. And having someone that is, you know, there by your side when you're feeling very vulnerable, yeah. and scared and very unsure, and you've got this brand new baby at home and you're you know, it's postpartum is a traumatizing moment. Um, to have somebody in the room with you that's caring for you that that had found happiness and joy through a product you helped create is um, pretty profound. Incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Great. Well, we're going to close out with our lightning round. So a couple questions that we'd love to get your views on. Um, so as an entrepreneur, what's another space that excites you right now or you'd consider building a business in? Healthcare, obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. <laughs> preventative medicine and yeah. um, more insight and understanding of your body and your well-being and the metrics that that move the needle. So, um, and then also postpartum care and prenatal care. Um, that's something that I think is broken to some degree. Yeah. And the fact that you know you get sent home two days after caring a growing a human for ten months giving birth, which usually is not easy for anybody, and you're sent home with no checkup yeah. for six weeks, 
is criminal in my opinion, but the fact that you're taking your child to the pediatrician the day after they're born and then three days and then one week and no one even thinks to check your blood pressure or to check in on you as a human, that to me is nothing short of pretty much criminal. Yeah. And so, you know, really focusing on those, those broken moments in a woman's journey. Um, that's, that's something I'm, I'm eager and excited to, um, champion under the bumble, bumble umbrella as time goes on. Amazing. Who is a celebrity existing or aspirational that you are most excited to call Bumble user? If you're allowed to share. Oh, I don't think I can share that. You can't share that. Okay. (laughs) Who would you like to have be a Bumble user? Well, I always said like if Bumble could be a real human being, it would be (laughs) a hero RBG. She's just like my lifelong inspiration. And, you know, that that's the type of woman to me that really, really transformed, um, our ability to be women and to actually be women that are not just women by themselves that can be, you know, united with men. Her journey is so inspiring to me. And, you know, I've always said if Bumble could be a human, I wish it would have been RBG, but, um, she was, she was really, truly spectacular. And I'm so so sad. So I guess the next question, this is probably already answered, but what person dead or alive would you most want to have dinner with? RBG. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously we all know it's stressful to be an entrepreneur. What is your guilty pleasure? How do you relax? I like to hike. I like to go outside. I like to get fresh air. I like to do cardio outside. Um, It is really a game changer and my guilty pleasure used to be red wine, but I'm outgrowing that phase of my life. And I'm really focused on, you know, treating my body as my home and taking better care of myself so that I can do the things I enjoy to do and, you know, keep going. Amazing. Anything you want to plug or announce here related to Bumble? Um, no, not no plugs other than, you know, for those of you that are listening and are going through a tough time, which all of us to some degree are or have been, um, you know, loneliness is is really devastating for health. And healthy relationships actually have been proven by some of the most sophisticated researchers in the world that they are um, a huge marker for health. Mm-hmm. And so if you are feeling isolated or lonely right now, like get on Bumble and talk to someone and have a video call and find connection and community with someone down the street. And, you know, once your safe zone quarantine is up, then go for a walk in the park or, you know, do something together at a distance, but definitely don't, don't let this time isolate you. And and truly, you know, Bumble is a great tool. It's not just, it's not just, um, you know, it's not just something I'm passionate about. It's something that I really have seen add a lot of value to people's lives. And people have come out of terrible situations and into positive ones and have found a lot of love, happiness, um, business and friendship through this product. And so you never know what's waiting for you and just give it a go. Great. Where can our users find you online? Uh, My name is Whitney on Instagram. So that's just W-H-I-T-N-E-Y. Perfect. Great. Well, thank you. This is fantastic. Loved hearing from you. It's so great to see you. I'm so proud of everything that you continue to do. You are 
a super, super inspiration. So thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you for joining us today for our first episode of The 2% featuring our dear friend, Whitney Wolf Hurd, CEO and founder of Bumble, the fastest growing dating app in the world. Whitney's story of building Bumble is pretty incredible, and she's a role model to so many women we know, as well as a huge supporter of Female Founders Fund. Stay in touch with us on Instagram at Female Founders Fund and on Twitter at FQVC. And for those of you building the next billion dollar businesses, we'd love to hear from you. Send all pitch decks to pitches at femalefoundersfund.com and we'll be in touch. And finally, if you're interested in working at one of our 45 plus female founded startups, explore our job opportunities at jobs.femalefoundersfund.com. Make sure to subscribe to The 2% on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening. And stay tuned for our next episode with powerful women founding and funding the future. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out too. Until next time, I'm Anu Dougal, and this has been The 2%.